Hi, I'm Serena Lowe. If you're used to hearing that introverts are shy, anxious, antisocial, and lack good communication and leadership skills, then this podcast is for you. You're about to fall in love with a calm, introspective, and profound person that you are. Discover what's fun, unique, and powerful about being an introvert, and how to make the elegant transition from quiet achiever to quiet warrior in your life and work, anytime you want, in more ways than you imagined possible. Welcome. Welcome to episode 22 of the Quiet Warrior podcast. This episode has more of a health focus as I've been working on healing from a recent health setback. During my time at home, a book that has really helped me and that I want to share with you today is Sensitive is the New Strong, The Power of Empaths in an Increasingly Harsh World by Anita Morjani. Now, Anita is also the author of Dying to Be Me, which chronicles her near-death experience and what she learned when she was dying from cancer. In Sensitive is the New Strong, Anita shares four keys to healing for empaths who are facing a health crisis. But I believe these keys are just as applicable and helpful for less serious health situations. In other words, you don't have to wait till you are in a full-blown health crisis to benefit. So the four questions that she asks are, number one, ask, what can I say no to? Number two, learn to open your receiving channels. Number three, get passionate and excited about life. And number four, how can I support my body? What are my treatment choices? So there's a reason why she sequences the questions in this manner, starting first with what can I say no to? Now, some of us, especially empaths, find it extremely hard to say no. It is almost as if we are wired to please, to placate, to fit in all the time. So if we sense that someone might be displeased or hurt or upset in any way by something we want to say no to, we would rather bend ourselves out of shape, trying to prevent that from happening. Even if it means overextending ourselves and inconveniencing ourselves to the point of resentment, burnout and martyrdom. We say no problem or no worries when we should really be saying, actually, I have too much on my plate right now, so I have to say no to your request. For someone whose automatic reflex is to give in and to please others, learning to say no becomes a survival skill. As empaths, we have only so much energy in a day, and sometimes we have less because of physical health, personal circumstances, hormonal imbalances, other priorities, etc., If we cannot say no, we are unable to protect our precious energy from being drained and depleted, leaving us with even less for our own well-being and other important activities such as time and energy to reflect and to create. Number two, learn to open your receiving channels. This has been a challenge for me. First of all, I didn't understand that I have receiving channels that I can open and close. My natural tendency is to deflect when people praise me or compliment me. Because when I was growing up, it was just thought to be very impolite to acknowledge other people's compliments, to to accept 
that you are good at doing something. And so when somebody compliments you, you're meant to say, oh, it was a fluke or I was just lucky or, you know, someone else is actually so much better. I'm not that great. And so that becomes an autopilot response to everything. So instead of pausing to think, do I really deserve this compliment? My natural reaction was to deflect it. But now I'm learning to do better and to to receive gratefully with appreciation, thanking the person and acknowledging the person for noticing. So empaths love to give and give and to serve others, to put others ahead of themselves to the extent of putting themselves last. We take the injunction, it is more blessed to give than to receive, extremely seriously. But what happens when giving and receiving are out of sync? What happens when the mere act of receiving from someone else makes you feel guilty and stressed? So instead of basking in gratitude and appreciation and feeling proud of yourself for having done well, you're feeling stressed because now I have to give back something of equal or greater value. What is that thing? It can't be too simple or too obvious or too easy to obtain from the shops. It must be something special, something that shows effort and sincerity. So then you get all stressed up and lose the joy of what was a spontaneous, wholehearted act of giving with no expectation of return. Has this happened to you? What if instead you are able to open your receiving channels and acknowledge that you are just as worthy of receiving good things, that you don't always have to work hard and hustle before you deserve good things? Not to say that you don't have to work hard, but there is this interesting relationship that seems to have formed between always having to hustle before you can deserve good things. What if you deserve good things because because you are human, because you're worthy of joy, love, abundance, health, compliments, recognition, promotions, pay increases, wonderful clients, all manner of good. Your receiving good things does not diminish anyone else's share or right to also receive what is good. Perhaps this idea that we're taking away from someone else comes from a scarcity mindset of believing that there is not enough in the world for everyone. So if I take more, someone else has to take less. But what if there is in fact plenty for everyone? So it is perfectly fine for you to receive good in abundance, just as it is perfectly fine for other people to receive good in abundance. Would you then still feel hesitation and guilt about saying thank you and more like this, please? This is certainly a good one to think about and to reflect on. Number three, get passionate and excited about life. When you're unwell, when your energy level is low, when you're not in a good headspace, it's hard to feel passionate and excited about anything or to make plans for the future. All your energy is devoted to how soon can I get well? When can I get well? But if you were given a clean bill of health, if the doctor declared you completely cured with no symptoms of illness, if you woke up one morning feeling better, healthier, more energetic and alive than you've ever felt before, what would you do differently with your life? What would you devote the rest of your life to? What would you do every day from now till you're 100? What would a day look like now that you're healthy and whole? Who would you be spending more time with? Because being with them heals and energizes you and makes you feel loved and joyous. What activities would you be doing more of because you love them and they energize you and bring you joy and wholeness? What causes and projects would you throw yourself into? 
and why. I think the last part, the and why, is even more important than what we actually do. It's that overarching higher purpose. The thing that drives us, the thing that makes us feel most alive, the thing we are here on earth to do. And each one of us has got a different path. Each one of us is on a different mission. So that knowing that why for yourself is extremely important. So don't wait till you're unwell to start thinking about these things. But when you have health, when you have energy, create that time, that space to think about these important things. And finally, Anita advises, last of all, having answered the first three questions, you then ask yourself, how can I support my body? What are my treatment options? Her reason for not jumping straight into treatment options, which is the natural reaction of any of us who is ill, is that there is so much more beneath the iceberg. Of course I want to get well quickly. Of course you want to know all about what's available medically and naturally and the pros and cons of each option. However, I won't just be taking advice from the doctor, will I? I'll also be looking on Google, I'll be talking to friends and anyone who's been through a similar experience. I'll be reading anything I can get my hands on, doing all the research, buying all the supplements, making the lifestyle changes, and so on. Being detail-oriented and a lover of knowledge, I won't leave any stone unturned. Nothing will be too weird or irrational to try, as long as it gives me hope. So the more options, the merrier. However, if I'm only focusing on the physical aspects of healing and recovery, I'm ignoring and overlooking the other important non-physical reasons why I am ill in the first place. There are so many factors that contribute to wellness and illness. So many reasons why our bodies break down, why our nervous system gets dysregulated, why our organs are functioning less than optimally, why our hormones and our emotions get the better of us, how our mindset affects our health and energy, how our relationships with others can enrich or deplete us, how our relationships with ourselves and how we view ourselves, how we love, accept and embrace ourselves, both the light and the shadow parts of ourselves, can bring healing and wholeness or cause us to fight against ourselves. So healing needs to take place on a holistic level, not just a physical level, not just addressing and fixing the physical symptoms, but going deep where necessary into those places that are beneath the tip of the iceberg, which is why also Anita says that sometimes this is the body's way of telling us that we need to stop, that we need to slow down, that we need to address some important questions. The invisible, far-reaching parts of us that are just as vital if not more vital. And some of these parts may have been in a state of freeze or flight or fight since childhood. And they need to be brought out into the light of day to be seen, to be held, to be acknowledged gently, lovingly, and compassionately. So these are the four key questions to ask yourself when you are going through a time of healing and recovery. What can I say no to? learning to open your receiving channels, getting passionate and excited about life, and asking questions about how you can support your body, what your treatment choices are that are most empowering for you. So I hope this episode has been helpful for you, and I highly recommend that you read Sensitive is the New Strong 
by Anita Morjani for more information. And I've posted that in the show notes as well. And if you are on a journey of healing and recovery when you listen to this, know that my prayers and good wishes go with you. Thanks for joining me and see you on the next episode. I'm so grateful that you're here today. If you found this content valuable, please share it on your social media channels and subscribe to the show on your favorite listening platform. Together, we can help more introverts thrive. To receive more uplifting content like this, connect with me on Instagram at Serena Lowe, Quiet Warrior Coach. Thank you for sharing your time and your energy with me. See you on the next episode.